The Liberals Gun Corner, a proud progeny of the Gun Rights Radio Network, hosted by Cowboy T, San Francisco liberal with a gun. This podcast is always available at www.liberalsguncorner.com, and you can email us at cowboyt at liberalsguncorner.com. Cowboy T here. Welcome to episode 47. For those of you who don't know already, West Virginia just recently became the eighth state, number eight, to get full-blown Vermont carry. Yeah, also known as constitutional carry. What does that mean? It means you don't need a permit to carry a firearm anymore, at least in that state. Essentially, the Second Amendment is your quote-unquote permit. Now, it's important to note that the West Virginia legislature, this is both the State House and the State Senate, overrode the governor's veto. In other words, folks, the people actually demanded that a constitutional provision be honored as such. What a concept. And their elected representatives actually listened. Whoa. <laughs> well, as you might imagine, the antis are naturally going on yet again about how the streets will run red with blood. How, you know, this is somehow an affront to police officers' safety. I really don't know where they get that idea, folks, but they do. Oh, here's another one. Terrorists can get guns more easily now. And, of course, there's always, for the children. You know, all the usual talking points the aunties always use. Well, I'd ask them. Are the streets of Burlington, Vermont running red with blood? No? (laughs) Exactly. We've talked about this before. If Vermont isn't the safest of our 50 states to live in, then it's way up there close to the top. And no, it's not just because Vermont is mostly the rural countryside. No, it's not just because of that. Here's why. It's because criminals are less likely to pick on Vermonters since, guess what? There's no telling who's packing what. If you're a bad guy, guess what you're going to do? Uh Uh-huh, you're probably going to go for easier pickings. So, I predict the very same kind of thing for West Virginia. If history is any sort of indicator, criminals are going to think twice a little bit more, folks. Now, this is just like Vermont for all those years. You know, being a good California boy, it occurs to me that the the officials in California, you know, New York, New Jersey... Maryland, other restrictive parts of the country like those, they would do well to take note of that fact. Now, some folks, you might ask about the Vermont paradox with this whole West Virginia thing. What's the Vermont paradox? The Vermont paradox is as follows. You've never needed a permit in Vermont if you want to carry at all. Remember, constitutional carry, that's why we call it Vermont carry. So, that being the case, Vermont never did bother to set up a permitting system. Never saw the need. Well, that makes perfect sense, of course. Well, turns out other states do require permits, as we all know. For example, Pennsylvania, uh, New Hampshire, uh, their next-door neighbor, and where I live now, Virginia. That means folks from perhaps the freest state in our nation, 
cannot legally carry outside their own state borders. How ironic is that? Oh, but what about reciprocity? Shouldn't that take care of things? Well, yeah, of course it would. It would work great if Vermont issued permits. But it doesn't. Never saw the need. Oops. Well, other states that went constitutional carry, Vermont carry, they saw that problem and they therefore kept their permitting systems, basically for travel to other states. That's why even though Arizona also now has constitutional carry, you can still get an Arizona carry permit. This way, you can legally carry in other states that recognize the Arizona permit. Good folks in West Virginia were smart enough to do the same thing. Uh Uh-huh. You can still get a West Virginia permit. Now, this matters more than you might originally think. Because, see, turns out a lot of people do go across the state line between Virginia and West Virginia. We've had reciprocity with West Virginia for years. And, well, kind of understandably, West Virginians would like to still be able to carry here in Virginia. Like they've been doing for all those years. Keeping the permitting system lets that happen. So I congratulate the people of West Virginia for making this happen. And uh, you evildoers, you might want to think again before you do whatever stupid act you were thinking of doing in the state of West Virginia. Might want to rethink that. Now, lawmakers in other states, this message is for you. Watch again how there will be a complete lack of rivers running red with blood, just like in the other constitutional carry states, just like Vermont for the last, what, um, over 200 years. So what are the antis going to do about all this? You know they're itching to do something. What are the antis going to try to do? Well, first off, we know they're hoping for a new Supreme Court justice who doesn't believe that the Heller decision is... Oh, no, no. How did, how did Justice Sotomayor put it? Ah, yes. Settled law. The antis, do not, the antis want someone who does not believe that the Heller precedent is settled law. Well... Being a good liberal like I am, you can imagine that I disagreed with a whole lot of what the now late Justice Scalia said there while he was on the bench. But he did get a couple ideas right as far as I can see. The first was his concurring opinion on the Fisher versus um, uh, University of Texas lawsuit. That was the bit about, you know, affirmative action. This is, what is it, I don't know, two or three years ago? Yeah, it was 2013. Basically, he said, yes, affirmative action is legal. So he got that right, in my opinion. The second was his stance on the Second Amendment in both the Heller and the McDonald decisions. Mm-hmm. Heller versus D.C., McDonald versus, versus uh, Chicago. Well, you know, even the stop clock is right twice a day, right? <laughs> Isn't that what my conservative brothers and sisters say? <laughs> but seriously, though, Scalia got those two right. He, did, he really did. The antis want someone on the court who will overturn both Heller and McDonald. They want someone on the court who will say the Second Amendment does not incorporate against the states. Well, guess yeah, guess what, folks? Yeah, it does. Why? Because same as the, bill, as the rest of the Bill of Rights, you know? The Second Amendment is a part of the Constitution. It's a part of the Bill of Rights. It's one of the original Ten Amendments. Period. Full stop, folks. 
It's a right, not a privilege. So, knowing that, the antis are trying to use media now to somehow, you know, shame, name and shame and embarrass people into not wanting to own guns. They want to portray legal gun ownership as somehow a bad thing. Huh. I remember somebody else doing that not too long ago. Y'all remember when I took apart some some Harvard professor's um, pseudo-arguments about how guns are just so evil? Yeah. You know, that was this, um, well, this person named David Hemingway. We did that last year. We took apart his pseudo-arguments. Well, thanks to the good folks over at CalGuns, thank you, folks at CalGuns, I got my hands on Hollywood's plans to demonize gun owners. Yeah, you know, they want to try to make gun ownership seem socially unacceptable, you know, like smoking. Yeah, I know, Hollywood. The, the, the same folks who make the movies. Uh, we'll get into the irony of this here in a moment. But for the moment, we have their list of um, uh, suggestions, as they call them, to depict um, gun violence. And uh, how did the newscasters put it? Oh, yeah, shape the public conversation. Jeez. Well, the Hollyweird folks do have the First Amendment right to speak. That is true. Well, guess what? So do we. <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to do just that. We're going to exercise that particular right and go through Hollyweird's little list of suggestions on how to portray public gun ownership. And just like before... I'm going to take those pseudo-arguments apart. Stick around, folks. This will be fun, just like before. <laughs> we'll be right back. Okay, folks, we're back. Now, let me tell you about a little organization called the Entertainment Industries Council. This is, well, okay, legally it is, a nonprofit, yeah, right, organization made up of entertainment industry leaders, yeah. The purpose of, the purpose of which is to influence the entertainment industry itself. Basically, they um, uh, suggest, quote-unquote, suggest how TV show and movie makers, uh, quote-unquote, should depict certain things and what social messages should be presented. And since this council is made up of entertainment industry top bosses, you can imagine what happens to the careers of those who don't follow their uh, suggestions. I learned something about that watching my dad, who was in the entertainment industry his entire career. Well, now that you know who these people are, let's start examining these uh, suggestions of theirs about how to depict things gun-related. The URL is http colon double slash 
www.eiconline.org. Oh, uh, by the way, I should tell you, it seems these EIC folks are having some trouble keeping their website up and accessible on a regular basis. <laughs> when I tried surfing it to it again, you know, a couple days ago, it was gone. Yeah. Disappeared it, hid. Redirected to, uh, to, to some uh, some provider's search site. Uh, you know the type where you say you miss you misspell something and like a Cox or Comcast will say, oh, did you mean this? Look at these suggested websites. It was one of those deals. Well, fortunately, this seems to have been corrected as of a couple of nights ago. <sighs> wow. You know, you think media people would understand how to keep their media up and accessible, but <laughs> go figure. It was down for two days. So, let's get cracking. From the Entertainment Industries Council, EIC. Depiction Suggestions. The following points for consideration were created as a resource for entertainment development and production. They are not intended to limit the creative process. Item number one. Attempt to highlight alternative resolutions to conflict rather than relying on gunplay as the only or automatic means of settling confrontations. Clashes can be resolved by other less lethal means, perhaps by characters using their wits and cunning to overcome opponents. Well, okay, I think everyone can agree on that one. Unless someone's, you know, broken into your home or you're otherwise facing immediate grave physical danger. You know, taking a shoot-first attitude is to be avoided. That's true. Um, Chuck Norris, for example, he could probably kill just about anyone on the planet if, if he wanted to. Guess what? He's known to avoid fights in real life. Yeah. Even if you must use lethal force, though, always, always use your head. I mean, that's your best weapon, no matter what the scenario. Now, back in the day, okay? Let's go back in a few years. If a couple kids had a difference... They'd go see the PE teacher, you know, the physical ed teacher. They'd explain the dispute. If it couldn't be resolved verbally, then, well, with the PE teacher supervising, the two kids would put on the gloves and, well, settle whatever needed to be settled. Done. So I got to agree with that particular one. Now let's see what else they got. Item number two. Consider highlighting the emotional consequences for the shooter, such as feelings of guilt, remorse, personal angst, and so on. Well, I don't have a problem with that either. Well, at least on its face. When you take someone's life, that's the ultimate in serious subjects, even if it wasn't self-defense. What I'd be concerned about is if this is taken to depicting that person all of a sudden concluding it was wrong, somehow wrong, for him to defend his son or daughter from that child rapist. Now, that'd be a problem, a big one. Next item, item number three. Consider incorporating such real-life scenarios as the shooter or possessor of a gun being accidentally injured by it, a gun accidentally misfiring by, while being loaded or unloaded by a criminal or other user, a gun misfiring and injuring someone after being accidentally dropped. Aha, uh-huh, here we go. Now we're getting into the anti's dogma. This is a reflection of their ever-present drumbeat, you're more likely to get hurt with your own gun than to successfully defend yourself with it. <laughs> well, there are anywhere between 800,000 and 2 million people, depending on whose numbers you accept, who apparently didn't get that memo because they did successfully defend themselves with their guns from would-be attackers. 
Now, my dad did that how many times throughout his life? The story of Kendra St. Clair defending herself from a home invader with her mother's gun. I mean, she, that, that should have been just as major a news story as the Trayvon Martin George Zimmerman case, folks. I'm serious. We should still be hearing the name Kendra St. Clair today. She's 12 years old. We've talked about this on the corner before. She defended herself from some bad guy that broke into her house, and she succeeded with mama's gun. It's unfortunate that we don't hear more about that. It's even more unfortunate that more of these folks don't make the news. But you see, that doesn't fit the auntie's agenda. So, when it comes to young Kendra St. Clair, a white girl no less, no Anderson Cooper, no Diane Sawyer, no Katie Couric, no Tom Brokaw. All right, let's take the, um, the EIC's next item here. I've gone on enough about that. Consider the story potential that may exist in a family filing suit against a gun manufacturer for injuries or death sustained by a defective firearm that misfired. (sighs) The Remington Trigger hit piece come back to return to us, folks. I remember this. Five or six years ago, CNBC, or should we call it CLSD, put out a hit piece on Remington for the the Model 700's Walker Trigger. This is a very popular hunting rifle. It's been around for, you know, what, 3456, 54 years it's been around. I watched that hit piece, and that's exactly what it was, a hit piece. It was shoddy, biased pseudo-journalism journalism at its worst. And worse yet, this is an example of dancing in the blood of the dead. Note the wording. Consider the story potential. You catch that, folks? That sounds like the National Enquirer or other tabloid yellow journalism to me. Sickening. How dare they? But, hey, I guess to the antis, all that matters is if you can sell the story for lots of money, right? Oh, boy. Well, next item. Try emphasizing the fact that introducing a gun into an argument lethalizes anger. What could have been resolved with just harsh words or even cuts and bruises may end up with a death. Guns don't allow for cooling off or reconciling once the momentary or situational anger subsides. Lethalizes anger, eh? Okay, so they're telling me that when the three knife-wielding attackers come at you, things are going to be resolved somehow with just harsh words. (laughs) Sure it will. Um, And how is uh, allowing these three attackers to inflict their cuts and bruises on you going to somehow be a good thing how about the rape attack you know after all it's just a little rough sex and some bruises right you know apparently to these eic folks though that's just fine i got four sisters folks so (coughs) wrong answer i don't think so if i should ever face anything like what my dad had to face i'll be awfully glad for having a gun oh uh, uh by the way uh, something else bears mentioning here with this. Nearly all of these Hollyweird top bosses who are making these suggestions, they have some sort of armed security penetrate or protecting. I wish it was penetrating, protecting them. Yeah, ironic, ain't it? I wonder if they take the same view toward the guns of their own bodyguards. You know, lethalizes anger and all that. I wonder. We'll continue with this dissection when we return. Stay tuned.
are talking about the entertainment industry's uh, suggestions for how to depict firearms and the people who have them. Yeah, like us. They mean us, folks. We're seeing if what these um, entertainment industry bosses are suggesting makes any sort of sense. Let us continue, therefore, from where we left off. Consider reflecting the reality that homeowners often freeze up or tremble so badly when trying to use a gun in self-defense that they are unable to deploy it. Or show them as being too frozen in fear to even get the gun. Okay, now this one I can speak to rather directly as a range safety officer. Remember, familiarity breeds comfort. If you're going to own a chainsaw, you should know how to operate it, right? Right. Of course you should. Same with a car. Same with a knife. And same with a gun. Unfortunately, what happens with this particular type of homeowner is typically, typically, they buy a gun, they put it in the nightstand with some ammo, and they never touch it again. Well, (laughs) that doesn't work, folks. If you're going to own a gun, then get your behind to the range on a regular basis and practice with that gun. Do that, and you are much less likely to uh, freeze when it hits the fan. Here's what will happen instead, rather. Muscle memory will kick in, and you'll be much more able to operate that gun to successfully defend yourself. That's why I practice regularly, folks, and you should too. Okay, let's check their next item. Where appropriate to the story, consider portraying a teenage girl threatening to break up with her boyfriend unless he gets rid of his gun. Or a boy doing the same with a gun-owning girlfriend. (laughs) I'll bet that last part was just tacked on after the fact, and even their sentence structure looks like that's what they did. Remember, they assume that, oh, well, you know, only males have guns. Therefore, you can use the, the, the threat of taking away female sex to get rid of the guns. Yeah, sure. But that's their idea. Even their sentence structure reflects it. That's just clumsy. Their first thought was to use sex as a bargaining chip and to have a girl do it to a boy. Yeah, well, sex sells, I guess. Forget that he may well have that gun because he's on the school's marksmanship team, for example. Yes, I have met folks on marksmanship teams, high school marksmanship teams. <sighs> yeah, that's Hollywood, all right. Give up a constitutional right for some sex. Forget about civil rights, huh? Well, huh. My real-life response, if someone ever tried that on me, nice knowing you. See ya! All right, here's our next one. Explore depiction of legal prosecution or civil action taken against parents for negligently leaving a gun available to a child who then uses it to either intentionally or unintentionally harm themselves or others. That sounds like something I'd expect to see on L.A. Law, even though I don't have a TV anymore. And yes, the parents would be at fault in such a depiction. Sure. But not necessarily for leaving a gun in a place where a child might be able to get to it. Now, I speak from experience, having been that child years ago. So I know something of what I'm talking about here. See, my dad had guns my entire life. From the moment I was born, he'd already been a gun owner. I knew where his guns were. He showed me, specifically, so that I'd know where they were. Right in the nightstand. 
He also did that other thing that goes along with that. It's called parenting. He made sure I understood that these were real guns with real bullets and that I was never, ever to touch them without his permission. I never did. Matter of fact, I stayed as far away from that drawer as I could. Why? Well, because he raised me right. He taught me. Wow. What a concept. So, I'd ask, in real-life situations where someone did get hurt, where were these parents, and why were they not raising their child properly, like my dad raised me? Okay, next item. Attempt to provide a positive role model by showing parents making gun safety inquiries of other households where children visit, asking about storage, accessibility, and so on. Hmm, you know, I've got an improved version of this idea. How about instituting the Eddie Eagle gun safety program in each and every school? You know, the one that says, stop, don't touch, leave the area, tell an adult. That one? Yeah. How come that's not in each and every school throughout this country? It should be. Okay, next item. Consider depicting the reality that women are far more likely to be shot by husbands or lovers than by an intruder. Odds are that a gun in her home will be used against her rather than in her defense. Yeah, here we go with the men bad, men bad feminist dogma. Jeez. I guess these EIC folks wouldn't care that I have a relative who was raped. Yeah, they wouldn't care about that. Oh, no, because it didn't affect their families, you see. Well, I do have a, a family member that was raped. She didn't have a gun to defend herself with. She does now. I guess those EIC folks don't care about the woman who got raped and confronted President Obama about that, you know, during last year's, uh, what was it, that town hall he had in Vir- somewhere in Virginia? They don't care about that. They don't care about her, do they? Well, I do. Her name is Kimberly Corbin. She now carries a gun. Why? Well, in case some evil person should ever try doing that to her again or her kids. Huh. When President Obama was conf- confronted with her, he sure did deflect him and he changed the subject right quick. La, 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 la. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Only, you know, what if it, how come, the, how come he likes all those guns around Malia and Sasha then, I wonder, huh? Well, I'm guessing those EIC folks would just dismiss Kimberly Corbin too, huh? Just as quickly, wouldn't they? I wonder how they'd feel if it was one of their daughters. All right, next item. Consider showing bartenders or bar owners being prosecuted or held civilly liable for gun injuries caused by a drunken patron who is known by them to carry a weapon, akin to the prosecution of bar owners for traffic deaths caused by drunk drivers. Uh, excuse me? How's that bartender or bar owner supposed to know if someone's carrying concealed? Folks, concealed means just that concealed as in you can't see it this is just encouraging frivolous lawsuits and folks and frivolous lawsuits are never productive maybe in california the laws there might say that gun carriers are allowed to get totally sloshed you know like stupid drunk but here in virginia that ain't the case the laws are, are, are a bit different if you open carry you're not allowed to be intoxicated if you conceal carry you're not allowed to drink at all at a restaurant or quote-unquote bar. You know, these things like the law, the actual law, they apparently don't matter to the antis, do they? 
does it. All right, well, next item. When appropriate, incorporate parents having heart-to-heart talks with their children, especially teenagers, about guns not being an acceptable resolution to the problems they face with schoolyard bullies or anything else. Ah, finally, they said something that makes some sense again. I was beginning to wonder. Well, I got to agree with that one, too. Okay, I got to agree there. The proper solution for a schoolyard bully is to beat the crap out of him or her. You put a bunch of knots all over them, they'll leave you alone. (laughs) I had to learn that one myself back in the day. People used to mess with me, especially when I was in high school, because I was tall and really skinny. Well, finally I'd had enough, and, well, they left me alone from that point on. (laughs) That's the proper solution, folks. So I got to agree with them. You don't need a gun. You need to know how to fight. Next item. Emphasize, where possible, the legal penalties invoked against straw purchasers who act as intermediaries between gun dealers and persons who are legally restricted from buying guns themselves. Okay, I'll go for this one too. Straw purchases are illegal under federal law, folks, and probably a lot of redundant state laws too. Just don't do it. Okay? We've had a few people try that at our shop, and we simply don't allow it. It's against the law, folks. Don't do it. You know, like Mrs. Reagan said, just say no. Do it right. Next item. Consider showing someone who is attempting to use a gun in self-defense being overpowered by the attacker who then uses the gun against him or her. Huh, I've got a better idea. How about recreating the scene where my dad was attacked by those knife-wielding racists? And he pulled out his gun. And they went running. And everyone walked away, or ran away in their case, unharmed. How about depicting that? Oh, I guess, darn, that doesn't fit into their guns bad agenda now, does it? Well, okay, how about the 92-year-old World War II veteran who defended himself from an an attacker? You know, this is with his forty-five caliber pistol. Oh, and just last month, too, in February, he did this. His name is Joe Milspa, and... (laughs) <laughs> How appropriate. He lives in California. San Jacinto, to be specific. Uh, that's Southern Cal for you non-Californians. Not all that far away from Hollywood. So, Mr. Milspa would be easy to find if they wanted to depict that. How about showing that sort of thing? Nah, I didn't think they wanted to either. <laughs> Not part of their agenda. We'll take a break and continue with dissection real soon. See you in just a moment. We're back. You know, anytime Hollywood people talk about gun ownership and how it should be portrayed for us little people, I get concerned. They've got a wide audience, folks. And that means lots of influence over people. Yet, they themselves have armed bodyguards. Go figure that. 
So I ask you, is it right and proper that we should challenge this do-as-we-say-not-as-we-do behavior of theirs? <laughs> you better believe it is. Hypocrisy, folks, is not something that we just let go here at the Liberals' gun corner. Well, then let's go to their next suggestion. Attempt to show safe ways school kids can tip off the police or school authorities that a fellow student has a gun and show that this action can bring about a positive outcome. Well, now that depends. Here's how I could see that getting abused. How's about members of the school's marksmanship team? We mentioned that just recently. Are they, are, are kids going to be encouraged to run to the cops on another kid simply because that other kid is participating in a school-sanctioned marksmanship event? Well, that would be a problem. Okay, next suggestion. Consider showing that even so-called toy guns, like pellet or BB guns or prop guns, can cause real injuries and even death. I had these back when I was a kid, too. That wasn't that long ago, either. I'm not that old, folks. Again, that's the parents' job. Where are they? You know, this that whole bit reminds me of that social worker seeing a parent's proud picture of his son with his twenty-two rifle, and this social worker calls an entire squad of cops to storm the home. This was just a few years ago. The boy was 11. His dad bought him the rifle, taught him the proper use of it. I used to work with a man whose daughter shoots a twenty-two rifle. These are actual firearms, folks. The parents were there. So, what's the problem? Oh, 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 wait a second now. I just realized something. The EIC, these Hollywood bosses, also include prop guns in their suggestion. I just saw that. Hmm. Well, now. Does that mean that the prop guns in their own movies are harmful? If so then why the heck are they using them in the first place? Hypocrites. All right, next suggestion that they probably themselves don't follow. Give thought to starting the story after any gun violence has already occurred and confine the plot line to the aftermath, detection, prosecution, coping of survivors, and so on. Ah, only gun violence, huh? Only a quote-unquote gun violence, huh? Well, I guess to them, the coping of the survivors is somehow better if they get sliced open with a knife instead. Or their heads bashed in with a baseball bat. Or, I don't know, some jock beating a smaller kid into a coma with his fists. Or other kind of, you know, similar violence. Or some mother beating her child to death with a hammer. I know, that sounds crazy, but guess what? Googling for that produced way too many tragic responses. Yes, it has happened. Terribly, that has happened. How about those dishonor killings that some folks do to their daughters for, you know, leaving the faith? How about what would probably have happened to Rivka Berry? You probably heard about this. You know, she was then a girl, now she's a young adult woman. She converted from Islam to Christianity. She ran away to escape a probable dishonor killing. How about all that? Well, I guess none of that matters to these EIC folks, eh? None of that kind of violence matters to them, does it? Only gun violence. Other kinds of violence? Hey, A-OK? That's just sick. You know, I got to say, folks, uh, 
as sick as what they're saying is, it's kind of fun taking apart the, the, these Hollywood fallacies regarding gun ownership. And we're going to continue doing just that when we return. We'll see you soon. Okay, we're back. Um, in the interest of time, we're not going to um, finish the entire set this particular episode. We're going to continue this in the next episode as well, but we're going to get through a few more of these. So let's continue. Their next suggestion is as follows. Consider occasionally having junk guns misfiring or jamming at critical times, as these guns are prone to do so after a period of use. Well, they need to define their term here. What to them is a quote-unquote junk gun? Do they mean a pistol or a carbine from High Point Incorporated? Now, for those of you who aren't, aren't um, familiar with High Point firearms, these are inexpensive, functional firearms that do their job well. They're not luxury, and they're not pretty, huh? but they do work well, and people can actually afford them. You know, do these Hollywood bosses mean those? Hmm. Could they mean the inexpensive but well-made Turkish versions of Remington's 870 pattern shotguns? There's a company called Hotsun, a Turkish company. They make just such a shotgun that they call the Escort. Looks just like a Remington 870. I spent some quality time with one. They're actually pretty good, and they're very affordable. Do they mean those guns? Or do they mean someone grabbing some black iron pipe? You know, the type, for example, used for gas lines in a house and trying to oh, make a shotgun out of that. Well, that's dangerous. Don't do that. Duh! You know, that goes in the category of don't stick your hand in the middle of a raging bonfire, folks. Jeez. All right, next suggestion. Consider depicting people as feeling less safe rather than more safe when they find their neighbors becoming increasingly armed. And here, folks, we have the... Uh, we have a right to feel safe, canard. Yep. Uh, I'd rather actually be safe, folks. That's how I feel safe, by being safe. That's why Diane Feinstein went and got a gun back in 1978. That's right. We've talked about that before, too. She wanted to be able to protect herself and her family. Let's listen to her. An anecdote about terrorism, because... Less than 20 years ago, I was the target of a terrorist group. It was the New World Liberation Front. They blew up um, power stations and put a bomb at my home when my husband was dying of cancer. And the bomb was set to detonate around 2 o'clock in the morning, but it was a construction explosive that doesn't detonate when it drops below freezing. It doesn't usually freeze in San Francisco. But on this night, it dropped below freezing, and the bomb didn't detonate. I was very lucky. But I thought of what might have happened. Later, the same group shot out all the windows of my home. And I know the sense of helplessness that people feel. I know the urge to arm yourself, because that's what I did. 
I was trained in firearms. I'd walked to the hospital when my husband was sick. I carried a concealed weapon. I made the determination that if somebody was going to try to take me out, I was going to take them with me. Now, having said all of that, that was a period of time ago. And I've watched for these 20 years as terrorism has increased, both on the far extremist left and the far extremist right in this country. And she's far from alone. Oh, yeah. Tell you what. When Michael Bloomberg gets rid of his phalanx of armed bodyguards, then come talk to me about feeling less safe with lots of guns around. Clearly, he feels much more safe with all that armed protection. Get him to dismiss his armed protection first. Then we'll talk. And now, their next suggestion. Try incorporating statistics on gun usage into scripts by having appropriate characters like law enforcement personnel, DAs, and teachers cite them. For example, for instance, most people don't know that guns are more often used for suicide than homicide. 54% of gun deaths were suicides, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 1999. Actually, that's a lie. About two-thirds of gun deaths were at the hands of the police. Oh, wait, these are 1999 numbers on top of that. Well, gosh, that was 17 years ago. How's about looking at today's numbers, folks? Heck, I'll even let you go back five years to 2011. The majority of so-called gun deaths were at the hands of the police. Yeah. What, the EIC folks didn't didn't want you to know that? Well, gee, why not? Well, suggestion... Next, consider highlighting the fact that teenagers often act impulsively and the presence of guns may increase the likelihood that a transient emotion may turn into a fatal event. Ooh, a transient emotion may turn into a fatal event. Well, they're strongly implying, without actually coming out and directly saying it, that a teenager might go grab a gun and shoot someone. Well, I got a better idea. Replace the word teenagers with police officers, and you get the same thing as events have shown us throughout the years. Remember the John Crawford incident in the Walmart and what happened to him? Hmm? Would the Entertainment Industry Commission be as enthusiastic about highlighting this sort of acting impulsively and uh, transient emotions leading to a fatal event? Now there's an interesting question, isn't it? Folks, for time reasons, and so this podcast does not become two hours long, we are going to continue this in the next episode. And we need to continue this, folks, because these are a bunch of blatant distortions, if not outright lies, put out by Hollywood types to demonize legal ownership of firearms. And we will be continuing this in the very next episode. I promise you. This is Cowboy T signing off until that next episode. Until part due, part two. Till then, safe shooting, keep practicing, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.